Welcome back to our study of the book of First Kings. We'll be looking this time at the second half of First Kings chapter 3. In the first half of First Kings 3, we see the story of Solomon asking God for wisdom. God appeared to Solomon in a vision and asked him, essentially, what would you have me give you? And Solomon... Uh, who had recently become king, asked God to give him wisdom so that he might govern God's people, lead God's people well. And so God granted him wisdom, as well as some things he didn't ask for, like riches. And the second half of chapter 3 that we're going to look at tonight shows us the result of that request. It uh, gives us Solomon's wisdom in action. We get to see a demonstration, in other words, of the wisdom that God has granted to Solomon. It's a fascinating story that we get to look at, uh, a famous one, probably one you're familiar with, have heard uh, at least once or twice, and uh, we're going to dig into it tonight and see uh, what the Bible has to say and what we can learn from these words. So let's look at 1 Kings chapter 3, begin reading in verse 16. It says, Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, O my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth, and we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house, only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. But the other woman said, No, the living child is mine and the dead child is yours. The first said, No, the dead child is yours, and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. Now let's pause there and talk about the story so far. So one of the things that makes this story so fascinating is that it's a classic your word against mine story, right? A your word against mine problem. These two women who are prostitutes, uh, both of them, had a baby within just a few days of each other. They were living together in the same house, but there was nobody else in the house. It was just the two of them. So there are no other witnesses, no one who can be called to corroborate or deny one side of the story or the other. It's just these two women with uh, each of them with their word pitted against the other one. One claiming that the living child belongs to her and the other also claiming that the living child belongs to her. So, in a situation like this, what do you do? How can you find out the truth? Uh, on a much simpler level, uh, this happens often with uh, you know siblings at home. If you have kids, uh, you're not in the room, something happens, and there's a problem, and each kid tells their side of the story, and how do you figure out whose side of the story is most accurate. It's not always a case of one telling the truth and one's 
lying, but it's hard to get at what really happened and who was really at fault or is, are both people at fault or whatever. It's very difficult to do when nobody else was there and you just have one person's word against somebody else's. So here's Solomon in a weighty situation, two women both claiming that this child is theirs uh, with no other witnesses. One woman's child is dead. One woman's child is alive. And how does he know which one is which? Um, so uh, there's, and remember in, in Solomon's day, there's no DNA tests. There's no, none of the technological stuff that we have today that we might would be able to use to try to sort out uh, this problem. So put yourself back in Solomon's shoes uh, all these thousands of years ago, and what would you do? How would you resolve this dilemma? How would you respond to this problem? It seems like an impossible situation. It seems like there's no way uh, that anybody will ever really know the truth. But God has given Solomon wisdom and has made him uh, not just wise sort of in general, but he has made him uh, wise above those of his own day. In fact, uh, we saw last time um, that uh, God said to Solomon uh, in verse 12, he said, Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. So if that's the case, we expect some really um, significant wisdom to come from Solomon. And we talked about how we see some of that in the book of Proverbs, in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, the book of Song of Solomon. But we also see it here in this story as Solomon solves what seems to be an insoluble problem. So what's he going to do? Verse 23, it says, Then the king said, The one says... This is my son that is alive, and your son is dead. And the other says, No, but your son is dead, and my son is the living one. And the king said, Bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, Because her heart yearned for her son, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means put him to death. But the other said, He shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman, and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. So Solomon summarizes the dilemma, right? In verse 23, you've got one who says, This is my son uh, that is alive. And the other says, no, it's the other way around. This is my son that's alive. And so Solomon says, all right, here's what we're going to do. We got two women and one living child. Somebody bring me a sword. I'll cut it in half and you can each have half of the child. Now, there are occasions when we do something like this to solve a real problem, right? You got a debate over who gets the last, you know, dessert or whatever, you can cut it in half and it can solve the problem. But obviously in this case, 
this is it's not solving the problem to cut the child in half. Right? This is not something you can share because if you cut the child in half, you're not going to have a living child anymore. So what is Solomon doing? Solomon is not proposing to cut the child in half as a solution. He is proposing to divide the child in order to provoke a response. He's using this as sort of a ploy to find out which of these women is really the mother of the living child. So when Solomon says, all right, here's what we're going to do. Cut the child in half. Each of you get half. Both of you should be satisfied with that, right? Then the woman who the living child belongs to, she says, no, 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 no. Let, Let her have the child. I would rather the child live than have to divide it, right? Then kill the child so that we can each have half, which, you know, makes no real sense. Uh, So she says, "I, I would rather the child live and live with this other woman. While the other woman says, that's right. If I can't have a child, then neither can you. Right, so um, if I, if I can't have my child alive, then your child needs to die as well. Um, the way she says it is, he shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Now, at that point, it's pretty obvious who the mother is. Right, at that point, you don't have to be terribly wise to figure out who the mother belongs to. The wisdom, <clears throat> the wisdom came in knowing how to provoke the right response. All right, so Solomon recognizes the woman who says, let the other mother have it, let, let the child live. He recognizes that that is the true mother of the child. And so, of course, he uh, gives the child back to that mother. Um, and one of the things that this sh- shows us is, uh, so wisdom, biblical wisdom, covers a multitude of areas of life, of subjects of study, or or however you want to say it. Um, if you read the book of Proverbs, right, wisdom covers um, business dealings and lessons from creation, like go to the ant, O sluggard, and um, it, it covers all kinds of issues and problems and questions that we encounter trying to live faithfully in God's world. Here, in particular, we see um, that wisdom covers um, human nature, right? And in particular, uh, in this case, Solomon shows that he understands uh, the nature of motherhood, what a, what a true mother feels and how a true mother responds uh, to um, any kind of threat to her child, right? He knows how to provoke the right response uh, from the people who are standing before him. Right? So wisdom is not just, you know, uh, what should I do in this situation or, you know, what kind of person should I be? Wisdom also helps us to understand the people around us helps us to understand human nature, helps us to understand how people, different people will respond to, how people will respond to different uh, circumstances or scenarios. Um, so this is a, a model for us right, to follow uh, from Solomon of, of what it looks like to be wise, what it looks like 
to receive the wisdom that God gives. If we say that the whole Bible has been given to us by God, in part to give us wisdom, to show us what's right and true and how to live in light of what is right and true, one of the things that the Bible shows us is uh, what human nature is like. What has uh, happened to us as a result of the fall, how our um, our loves, our desires, our actions have been corrupted and affected and twisted by the fall, um, what things we are uh, supposed to do, what ways we often fall short, etc., etc., etc. Through all kinds of stories like this one, we see uh, how people respond to different scenarios. Uh, we see the outworkings of um, greed and lust and selfishness and pride and all those kinds of things and we learn uh, from the scriptures, from these stories in the Bible, and from the truths we're told in the Bible, um, what people do, what how people respond, what people are like. And that is part of growing in wisdom. Uh, that's part of the wisdom that God gave to Solomon. Now, we got one more verse to look at, verse 28. It says, And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king, because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. So, not surprisingly, word got around about this case, and the people who heard it recognized that God had indeed given wisdom to Solomon. And again, um, though though Solomon uh, received a unique measure of wisdom so that he was wiser than all who came before him or after him, except for Jesus, like we said last time, who's God-man, right? So obviously he's going to be wiser even than the wisest man. Um, But the Bible calls upon us to be wise as well. That's why God has given us the book of Proverbs, right? To learn wisdom. Jesus also told his disciples in Matthew 10, 16, he said, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We, it, we need wisdom to live wisely and faithfully in a world that is hostile toward us and toward the things that we believe. So we need to learn from Christ who is um, who is the wisdom of God? We need to learn from Solomon, who is the one whom God gave more wisdom than any before or after him. We need to learn from the books of wisdom in the Bible. That includes the Book of Job, um, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, uh, and all through the Bible. Right? God has given us wisdom, and as we said last time in James one five, God has told us to ask for wisdom because he gives generously without finding fault. So uh, we ought to be seeking wisdom, asking for God to give us wisdom. We ought to be looking in the Bible for things that we can learn that will help us to be wise and act wisely in the world. And there's one more thing I, I want to point out there. Just at the end, it says, they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. Those two things, wisdom and justice, go together. They are inseparable. Right? Wisdom is not something um, that you should use for your own advantage or your own gain. Wisdom is to be used in order to do what is right, not only for yourself, but also for others. It is for justice. It is for righteousness.
All right, so um, all of this, like we said last time, all of this points us ultimately to Jesus. Solomon points us to Jesus. The wisdom of God points us to Jesus. The Bible says that um, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Uh, Solomon, as the son of David, is pointing us to Jesus, the ultimate son of David, the Messiah, the God-man, God in the flesh, who... Um, is the full embodiment of the wisdom of God. And so all of this points us ultimately to Christ, the way that God showed his own wisdom in a way that looked foolish to the world through the death and resurrection of Jesus. All this points us ultimately to Christ. And then Christ points us back to the need for us to be wise and live with wisdom. As we said from uh, Matthew 10, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Uh, We need to live with wisdom in a hostile world. And living with wisdom means um, that we will help promote justice. We will help promote what is right. And um, we will do what is good and what is in accord with the way God designed the world to work. So may the Lord help us and give us wisdom. Amen.